0: Tonight on Fig Tree Watchers, it's Saturday Apologetics. And we're asking the question, is there any evidence for Jesus? That's part two with Ayo from Amitsu Study. So stay tuned as we ask this question. Is there any evidence for Jesus? That's next here on Fig Tree Watchers. So invite a friend, let a loved one know that Jesus is Lord. Do you believe Jesus? Do you believe his words? That he is God. That he and the Father are one. That he came to suffer for you. Do you believe the eyewitnesses? Who testified that they saw the resurrected Christ? Do you believe the words of Paul? Do you believe the words of Peter and John and James? Do you listen to Luke as he's explaining to Theophilus the truth that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, died for our sins, and was raised from the dead? Do you believe that the scripture is God breathed? Do you believe? that it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, that it is good for correcting and reproofing and for teaching in righteousness. Do you believe God that He loves you and that He sent His Son, Jesus, to die for you, to take on the sins of all mankind so that we, who are yet to be born, who are sinners, we can know the truth that Jesus died for us. Do you believe? Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? Do you believe in the Trinity? These are the questions that you need to ask yourself because the rest of the world is looking for a savior. And I'm here to tell you that one has been born one is coming to the world, he took on flesh, he was crucified for the sins of all mankind. He was raised from the dead. He was witnessed by eyewitnesses, multiple witnesses, and he speaks the truth. and he's coming back again to gather those who believe in him. and if you're not one of them, you're going to be left behind. In a world of darkness. So I plead with you tonight. Listen to the evidence that we are going to present. Of Jesus' Jesus's existence. That is next year. On the West Coast Gospel Hour here on Fig Trees. As Brother Io joins us. And uh, he begins to lay out the evidence that we have that for Christ's existence. And he'll be joining us right now. Hey, everyone. Good evening. Hey, how are you? you? Doing well. How are you? Uh, It is awesome to uh, uh, have you here. We want to just thank you so much for uh, joining us, man. Uh, As those of you know, you are my uh, partner in ministry um, and uh, one of the great leaders here at the Fig Tree Watchers Ministries that, w- that we are producing this. And tonight, you've already gone over last month in the month of February, you went over part one, which was physical evidence for Jesus outside of the Bible, right? Yeah. Um, and tonight, you are now adding the evidence for Christ within Christian sources, not just the Bible, but within Christian sources. Yeah, exactly. I'm really excited for that too, so... Awesome, awesome, yeah. so um why don't you go ahead and uh um share with us um where you want to begin tonight? yeah, sure, we can bring you in prayer, and then I'll go ahead and you know do a little review and we'll' I we'll go always got to begin in prayer, and uh you know we have we have so many needs uh I do want to ask you to pray if you don't mind for my aunt Gloria in a couple mm-hmm. of weeks she has to have open heart surgery okay um so if you could please pray for her and uh um, as well as um, Sister Tori, who's who's going through epilepsy. We want to bring her up in prayer, okay? Yeah, sure, we'll do that for sure. Uh, Father, we just thank you
1: for uh, this opportunity we have again to just gather in your name, Lord, uh, to come here and just talk about the evidence we have. Uh, historically speaking, non-Christian and both Christian for Christ, they truly walked on this earth. And we just ask that you use this session, Lord, for us believers and non-believers that may listen to this uh, to just show them, to show us uh, that Jesus Christ truly is, uh, truly was alive and truly is alive right now. If they walked on the earth, that we as believers can have confidence in that, that it strengthens our faith. And that for non-believers that listen to this, that it it serves as evidence for them that then you can use the seed plants in their heart or sea watered uh, so that eventually it can sprout up to, uh, to come to their salvation, Lord. And we just pray for those uh, here who may need healing, people like Sister Tori, and uh, Brother Stefan's aunt, Lord, who will be doing, uh, who will be getting open-heart surgery. Uh, we ask for uh, these people who will be going through procedures, who are dealing with things like cancer, uh, epilepsy, whatever it may be, Lord. We just ask for your healing hands to be upon them. We ask that you strengthen their faith during these difficult times, Lord, and bring people around them, fellow believers, who can encourage and pray for them during these times, Lord. So we just leave them in your hands. We ask for healing, and we ask that you strengthen their faith during this time as well. We pray all this in Jesus' name amen 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 yeah so just to get started just as brother stefan said earlier for those who may have joined right now uh last month we went over historical sources for jesus's um existence uh, because for some reason you know online uh i know we've talked a lot about like historical evidence for the bible for example so one thing you'll always find concerning skeptics that they'll adamantly say oh the bible it's been lost in translation, this and that. And even uh, me and Brother Stefan, uh, we you know had a phone call a few days ago. And I was like, oh, brother, you know, I like, talked to someone on the train. And literally, like, all these points that we come to you guys concerning what non-believers say, he was just, like, drilling me with them, you know, saying things like, oh, you know, there can't possibly be just one way to salvation. Oh, the Bible was, like, uh, was uh, brought to us through a telephone game type thing. And that's, like, deal with those type of things. So you will see these things in real life. What we talk about here, you may actually deal with them. And one of those things is the belief that people have that Jesus was just simply a myth. that he never existed. And if you believe that Jesus was, existed, you're, you're foolish somehow. You're stupid for believing that. But that can't be further from the truth, right? So last month we dealt with that view and we said, I know there's actually historical archaeological evidence to believe in Jesus because there was non-christian sources that wrote about him or alluded to him so now we're going to continue off from that point i'm just going to do a quick recovery or quick review concerning the people we talked about but then we'll go into christian sources right so that's also important as well so when we looked at the non-christian sources we looked at people like marabar sarapiana the syrian philosopher who quoted or didn't quote but actually referenced jesus and referenced some other people uh, Cornelius Tacitus was a Roman historian So he uh, referenced him as well He talked about the fire that happened around Nero's reign And how Nero framed Christians for that And he, then Tacitus actually referenced the Christians He viewed them in a bad light And he said that, hey, because Tacitus Viewed Christians in a bad light That even gives even more credibility to him right? He didn't believe in Christianity He actually used very stern words Concerning Christians But he talked about Christians, he alluded to Jesus And that's the historical evidence we have there I and mean, last we looked at Flavius Josephus, a very well-known historian, a Jewish historian who also uh, referenced Jesus. And we looked at a quote where he actually references Jesus' half-brother, James, by name, um, alluding to Jesus' brother, James, there. So that was another piece of evidence we we looked at. So if you haven't watched that yet, we encourage you to check out Fit You Watchers on Instagram, go to our profile, check out that previous replay, or you can also find us on podcasting. Look at that episode in the past, in the past month. So the first thing here they're going to be looking at is um, just Christian, again, sources. And the first thing we're going to be looking at is the New Testament documents. So I'm going to be going over New Testament documents, Paul's writings, early Christian creed, and then church fathers. we're going to be laying it out like that. And I know, Brother Stefan, you have something super interesting to bring up later. So feel free to jump in whenever you feel is right and just, uh, you know, bring in what you want to bring in as well. So it's important to bring up Christian sources, just as important as it is to bring up non-Christian sources, because when you you know, get into this conversation or uh, get uh, you know attacked for your beliefs and people say, hey, Jesus never existed, and you try to say, hey, he did exist, and the Bible is evidence for that, or the church fathers spoke about him, people will often say, well, you can't use those sources as evidence, right? You can't do that. That's false. That's not true. Uh, they assume somehow that Christians weren't able to actually talk about factual statements or factual things that happened in history. Um, so we have to be careful of that. We have to be able to spot that in people's statements. So, a book that I want to reference to you guys, last uh, month we talked about this book, but it's called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. So, I'm going to be using so some of the points I discuss here, I'm going to be using off of this book. So, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Uh, I encourage you guys highly to get that book. Talks about these things like the historicity of Jesus, why we can believe the Bible is reliable. So I'll be touching on the points there. And one of the quotes they bring up here concerning this view from skeptics is that they say skeptics may be leery of using Christian sources to prove the existence of Jesus because of the assumed bias of the documents. So they assume that there's a bias there. However, it is, of course, historically prejudicial to exclude automatically all Christian evidence as if no one became a follower of Jesus could ever report accurately about his life and teachings or to assume that all non-Christian evidence was nearly more objective. So we have to be able to spot that and say that, wait a minute, just because this person was a Christian versus this person that wasn't a Christian, that doesn't mean the non-Christians sources or evidence is more, you know, accurate than the Christian sources. So that's just kind of what we're looking
0: at here. Right, and why, why can we say this with absolute surety assurance? Number one, we have Luke, who gives the historical record of mm-hmm. Jesus, names places, um, lists out the affirmities that the yeah. people suffered um, with great accuracy, and is considered one of the best a, a examples for archaeology. Um, In fact, uh, the the Pool of Salon, which is only recently discovered in the last 15 years, I believe, uh, is a direct result of where Luke said it was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And so it is because of that discovery that they actually discovered the road that it was leading up to the temple that everybody's talking about right now. Like this is the big thing in in, uh, biblical archaeology, even proving that, well, it was Pontius Pilate that actually built the road, not Herod the Great, as we once thought. It's changing archaeology, and it's proving the Bible to be even more accurate. And why? It's because we could take a Christian source like Luke, who cited archaeology and was absolutely correct. Exactly. And, uh, I want to bring that up for everyone to understand, um, because this is incredible proof. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'll be going over um, that road as well later
1: to just talk about this, one of my points as well. But just like Brother Stefan was saying, just to reiterate that we have to be, Be very careful to understand and know that we can trust in what the Bible says, because what the Bible says, we actually just discover in real life in archaeology, in history. So archaeology and history doesn't disprove the Bible, it just further confirms what God's word said. We just end up catching up to it over time. Um, So one thing they also said in this book, evidence that demands a verdict, they said by far the most important historical information about Jesus of Nazareth appears in the four Gospels of the New Testament the authors of the four gospels present Jesus in a manner that assumes his existence, right? So that should be obvious to a lot of us. They said we may affirm the synoptic gospel writers would have wanted to preserve accurate history, like just like Luke, right? Uh, according to the standards of their day that they have, have that they had every likelihood of being able to do so and that the overall pattern of widespread agreement on the essential contours of Jesus' life and ministry coupled with enough variation of details to demonstrate at least some independent sources and tradents on which each drew, each drew makes it very probable that they did in fact compose trustworthy historical and biographical documents. That's the long thing just to say, to summarize that the synoptic gospels due to their differences and different facts they bring up and the similarities they also have with the four gospels. It shows us that it can be historically verified, that it shows us a historical Jesus. So that's just what they're saying in that quote. And we can treat these synoptic gospels and many of the books of the New Testament as eyewitness testimonies, right? Because often Paul makes it clear that, hey, he's delivering to us what he got from the Lord. And if you want to prove this, there's people who were with the Lord or who were seen uh, by, the, by the apostles or who saw Jesus' resurrection. You can ask them about these things. You can confirm these things, right? So that's also important as well. So they stay here, leading New Testament scholar Richard Bauckham presents the Gospels as eyewitness testimony, pointing to the short distance between their writing and the people who would have seen Jesus in person. So again, that's important because I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians 15, 3 to 8 soon. And in there, Paul says in the verse that, hey, you can go to these guys you saw. You can go to the eyewitnesses. There's eyewitnesses who saw Jesus resurrected. And a lot of these things are written very close to the time of these test events. And that's what we're looking for in terms of confirming if these things are actually
0: reliable or not. Yeah. It, it, this, is in, this is really good stuff. Keep going because yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm learning some stuff here too as
1: well. Yeah, no, it's good. They, they say here, um, it's a good quote here that they had in the book. They said the gospels were with, written within living memory of the events they recount. Mark's gospel was written well within the lifetime of many of the eyewitnesses, while the other three canonical Gospels were written in the period when living eyewitnesses were becoming scarce, exactly at the point in time when their testimony would perish with them, were not put in writing. This is a highly significant fact, they said, entailed not by unusually early days of the Gospels, but the, the generally accepted ones. So this is something we also use to talk about how the Bible, is, is uh, historically reliable as well, the New Testament documents as well, because a lot of them are written very close to the dating of the alleged events. So that's something very important to look for. And again, these are the kind of evidences we have to bring up to people who say that, well, you can't use the Gospels as evidence for Jesus. You can't use the Gospels as evidence to claim the Bible's reliable, but we can. It's those are They're actually historical documents, and a lot of people don't think about that. They
0: just think it's a book of fairy tales, but the Bible is actually a book of historical documents. So, so let's, bring this, let's bring this up to, to something that, that I wanted to bring up tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I want to bring up a, a piece of archaeology that was discovered in 1898. And You may be going, why, why is he bringing up something from 1898? It is called, uh, the discovery is called the Ox Oxahinicus Papyra. Sorry, it's a big word. Oxahinicus Papyra. Now, why is this a big deal? Well, it was discovered in 1898. And um, when it was discovered, and I wanna explain this to you because I wanna read it exactly what is said here. It was in many different languages, these papyrus were discovered. And since 1898, academics have collated and transcribed over 5,000 documents from which what were the originally hundreds, of boxes of papyra fragments, some of them the size of large cornflakes. This is thought to represent only one to 2% of what is estimated to be at least half a million papyra still remaining to be conserved, transcribed, deciphered, and categorized. Do you understand this? We still have a remaining half a million that have not been transcribed, conserved, um, you know, and and so forth. So they've been publishing books on what they've been translating and, and, and transcribing and describing since 1898. The volume, the last volume produced was November 30th, 2021, four months ago, volume 85, volume 85. Why is this such a big deal? Because what they found in these documents, they were historical documents. Mathematical equations were discovered there. Um, they discovered biblical documents. They discovered fragments of Greek philosophers, which are the only writings we have of those Greek philosophers in the world. Uh, they describe. they discovered uh, um, accountant documents. They discovered property deeds. They even discovered a document that was called How to Arrest Christians, okay? Um, They discovered writings of Christians about Christ. They discovered New Testament documents, and I want to share this with you because I think this is incredible. Um, I want to list some of the things that they discovered which are among the uh, documents that that are, are brought up here relating to the Christian documents, and and this is a big deal. So listen to this: some of the Christian documents that they found relating to the New Testament, and by the way, they found Old Testament documents. And these, the year time frame that these documents were written in, as early as 32 BC, 32 years before Christ, and as late as 600, okay, AD. Mm-hmm. So these are very old documents. And they do some interesting things. They show that people of the time thought of the New Testament as historical documents, and they preserved them with other historical documents, right? The second thing that it tells you is that these uh, documents demonstrate that the gospel message, what we have in the New Testament, hasn't been changed, has been changed. Some of the New Testament documents are as early as 100 AD and as late as 450 or 500 AD. So just to kind of give you an idea of the New Testament documents, I want to just give you a a list of, and there's, there's quite a bit. The list is really long, but we have 1 Peter chapter 5, Revelation 5 through 6, James 1, John 15 through 16, Matthew chapter 12, James 2 through 3, Matthew 10 and 11. Matthew 6, Revelation 3 through 4, Revelation 1, Hebrews 9, Philippians 3 through 4, uh, the chapters 3 through 4, Revelation 16, Hebrews chapter 2, uh, uh, through 5, 10 through 12, 1 John chapter 4, Matthew 10 and 11, John 1, John 16, John 20, uh, Mark 10, uh, 50 and, uh, verse 50 and 51, Mark 11, verse 11 and 12, Matthew chapter 1. I mean, that's just a list. Of, there's Romans, Galatians chapter one. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. And it's like, I mean, it's a really huge list. Hmm. Then we have Old Testament documents, which I'm not going to get into. Then we have writings of Christians writing about Jesus. We have the uh, the Hermes, uh, Shepherd of Hermes, which I've mentioned to you at all uh, before. Um, we have uh, Irenaeus, writings of Irenaeus. Uh, we have the Didache there. We have um, even the Gnostic stuff, the stuff that that we know is false, was actually kept as a record. Um, it, there's uh, the Acts of John, Acts of Peter, Acts of Paul, and the uh, Gospel of Peter, Gospel of Mary, um, an unknown Gospel, Gnostic Gospels as a whole are listed there, and and we know that these are are not good ones. But this whole area is full of philosophers. Um, Non-Christian documents, historical documents of the time, uh, as I mentioned, deeds, accountant writings, mathematical equations, philosophy, um, even recipes were found there. Uh, And so why is this important? Because it demonstrates at the time they preserved all these documents in this one place, Mm -hmm to demonstrate that the bible was the new testament was a historical document that the old testament was a historical document it needed to be preserved and it was preserved among among non-christian things secular things things that actually go against the bible you know pagans philosophers there's even pagan documents on on these things that are that are involved paganism so when people tell you that the bible has no altered or changed, we know from fragments from 100 AD to 400 AD that the Bible hasn't been changed, the New Testament. We can trust its accuracy. We can also see that the Old Testament, they have the writings of the Old Testament, that hasn't been changed, Yeah. okay, from the Greek Septuagint, and we have writings about Jesus from the time that demonstrate that Jesus was very relevant. Even the Gnostic Gospels, even though they're... They're not biblical and they're not to be read. They're, they're, they're really uh, corruption at stake. We call them Gnostic, Gnosticism. Why they were there was because they were afraid of Christianity. They were written because they were afraid of Christianity. They were meant to undermine Christianity. And uh, that brings up a whole nother discussion, which I'll bring up another night. But I wanted to bring this up to you because this is something that you can look at, You can see 85 volumes of translations that have been transcribed um, in writing all these documents down and there's still a half a million that haven't been completed yet. Half a million. Think about this. And these documents are throughout the world in all sorts of museums as everyone is collaborating to trying to get this discovery from 1898, which still hasn't been completed. Yeah, that is just amazing.
1: And, you know, what's even more amazing is that uh, Josephine was talking to about this earlier, and I was just like, wow, like, I've never heard about this. And he's like, me neither. Like, you found it. You discovered this by accident, right?
0: Yeah, I, I did it in my own research. I, I'm always doing research, and I found this today. Yeah. I found this out today. Yeah, And uh, um, I sent you the link right away, mm-hmm. and you're going to post it on the Telegram thing oh, for yeah. everyone else yeah. to look at it. Um. And it, it's it's just a collection of documents that found in Egypt, of all places, where which is the e- Egypt for a lot of people don't know this, but this is the founding of Gnosticism, uh, which led to a lot of the corruption in the church that John railed against Gnosticism. Um, and it led to, you know, Asubius and Augustine and Origen bringing Gnosticism into the church, which led to a lot of the, the pagan Catholic traditions that we have that even has spearheaded the idea of of there's no free will mm-hmm. um, it denies free will which is which is part of you know calvinism today so gnosticism is, is ran amok into the world and today we're seeing it through the paganism that is running amok throughout the hollywood industry yeah. and so there is an influence there that is very negative but there's also all the christian new Testament scriptures and in the writings of apostolic fathers, as you mentioned, proving that they were legitimate. Exactly. Yeah. And this is so, so, so important guys. Again, I'm saying
1: this enough because what we're seeing here essentially is with this library of documents, essentially, and I'll just talk about this and move on. It's just that again, even though with our modern eyes, modern skeptics, they, you know, laugh at the Bible, they see it as a book of fairy tales. They're saying, Oh, you can't use the Bible to prove the existence of Jesus. Well, even if modern skeptics might not see the Bible as like a legit historical set of documents, people in the past, thousands of years ago, certainly did. And this is one of the evidence we can bring up like, hey, okay, maybe you don't see it as an historical documents, but these people certainly treated the Bible as verifiable historical documents. They certainly did see Jesus as a verifiable human being that walked the earth at one point of time. So these are just great things that just affirm what the Bible says whether they're from Christian sources or non-Christian sources. And just by being amongst uh, non-Christian documents at the time, it is just test to the fact that, hey, they saw that as well as uh, historical documents. So
0: just so important for us to understand. I even laughed when I saw that one of the documents was an arrest one for Christians. <laughs> like, I just was, oh, that's so hysterical. Like they even preserved, it, you know, like yeah. just to demonstrate. Yeah, you know, it, I mean, that just... That just shows you how impartial this whole discovery. Mm-hmm. Is.
1: Exactly, exactly. Uh, so yeah, that's just that's amazing. But just to continue on here, because man, time is moving by fast. Because we're just the stuff we're talking about is I don't know. It's exciting to me, and I'm sure you guys are learning a lot as well. Um, but another point I wanted to bring up here is we're talking again. Uh, we're looking at uh, New Testament documents right now. Um, Soon we're going to move on to like Paul's writings and things like that. But as we're looking at these New Testament documents and assessing why can we say they can lead us to believe that Jesus is an historical figure in the past, uh, something that, they, that this book pointed out, the book that I'm uh, looking at here for some of you guys who just joined, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, something they pointed out that I thought was super important is that even if skeptics don't believe in the miracles of the Bible or some things that Jesus did like walking on water and they laugh at that, that doesn't negate the fact that there are still historical vibe verifiable things in the bible that we can still uh, look to so and bart herman is a great is a great uh point of contact for this because he actually noted that that he still he still actually speaks to the fact that hey just we can still believe that he's historical verifiable uh, being in the in the past although bart herman you know some of his views are obviously false sometimes he talks about about how okay we can't trust the bible but sometimes he does say we can trust the bible but he does bring up a great point here um. So, part of the book, they say, even those who do not believe in the authenticity of every story in the Gospels can still draw the conclusion that Jesus truly existed. Mm-hmm. Agnostic Bible scholar Bart Herman shares Price's skepticism concerning the supernatural accounts surrounding Jesus' life. So, again, folks here is that some skeptics, they look at the supernatural parts of the Bible and they say, uh, you know, because I don't want to believe the Bible. But people are saying that, hold on. Okay, you might not believe that part of the Bible, that doesn't mean Jesus never existed. So that's what we're dealing with here. So, however, this does not lead him to conclude that Jesus never existed. Uh, He writes concerning this. What Bart Herman now writes, he says, we are not dealing with just one gospel. So, again, Bart Herman is this agnostic or often sometimes refers to himself as atheist. This is what he's writing concerning what the gospel says about Jesus. He says, we are not dealing with just one gospel that reports what Jesus said and did from sometime near the end of the first century. We have a number of surviving gospels, things that Brother and I were just literally saying, right? There's historical evidence to back that statement up that either completely independent of one another or independent of a large number of their traditions, these all attest to the existence of Jesus. Moreover, these independent witnesses corroborate many of the same basic sets of data. For example, that Jesus not only lived, but that he was a Jewish teacher who was crucified by the Romans at the instigation of Jewish historic authorities in Jerusalem. The vast network of these traditions, numerically significant, widely dispersed, and largely independent of each other, makes it almost certain that whatever one wants to say about Jesus, at the very least, one must say that he existed. So Mm -hmm. at the end of all this, he's saying that, hey, you know, call just whatever you want, but at least you have to start with the premise that he existed. You can't you can't deviate from that because we have a plethora, wealth of information that simply attests to that. So if you're gonna come up to me and say, "Hi, oh, you Christians, you're foolish for believing in Jesus." Well, all the evidence backs me up. Where where's your evidence that that kind of cooperates that? So it's just it's just amazing that we have all that evidence uh, supporting what Scripture says.
0: Yeah, and, and I, I think it's interesting. Um it it's funny when I was looking through the translations of, of the Gnostic stuff that they discovered in this uh Oxifer and Erica papyra, um it was Bart Herman who's translated all the Gnostic stuff. And uh <laughs> it it's um it's ironic. I think it's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um so you can automatically know where the atheist is going to versus the, the, the Christian. Yeah. Um, but yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Jesus existed. The the evidence for Jesus' existence, I think the the, the clearest argument is the disciples went from being cowards to willing to die. Yeah. That, to me, is the greatest argument you can make. The second argument, I think, is Paul. Paul goes from murdering Christians to joining Christians. He wouldn't have done that going against the Jewish faith unless it was something supernatural that changed him. Again. And it was Jesus on the road to Damascus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with that. Um, and I was actually
1: about to mention Paul too, because I've talked to Muslims in the past and they're like, Oh, who's this Paul guy and whatever. And they try to like really throw darts at Paul, really, you know, uh, raise questions against them. But I always bring up the fact that, Hey, you know, you can believe whatever, you know, you can say that Jesus was the prophet. You can say, you know, what you want about Paul, but the fact remains, why did Paul go from, you know, Killing Christians, handing them over to other Jews to be crucified or or not crucified, sorry, but um, just persecuted, killed. Why do you go from that to being an adamant follower of Jesus Christ? What changed him? And they they just cannot give an answer because the fact is that's just the that's just the truth of it, right? He had a radical moment of change, but nobody can talk about what that radical moment of change is. They don't know what it is, but the Bible clearly states Jesus appeared to him, right? And that from that point on, he was changed. He did believe in the Lord. So we can't, you know, negate that fact. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. So, the other piece of evidence
1: here uh, that I want to talk about concerning the New Testament Gospels is that archaeology helps authenticate the Gospel narratives. And we've been, you know, obviously going back and forth with that. Uh, but just in depth to talk about what Brother Stefan brought up earlier, and actually last night with our uh, Friday Bible prophecy update was the CBN News article. Uh, The headline is, Discovery on Jerusalem Pilgrimage Road Proves It Was Built by the Man Who Crucified Jesus. So this is amazing because it not only talks about, hey, Pontius Pilate existed. That's important because we talked about this several months ago concerning the historicity of the Bible. Uh, We brought up the fact that Pontius Pilate, lots of people used to say, oh, he never existed. People used to say, David never existed. But as time goes on, we find evidence for them. Um, So this proves the existence of Pontius Pilate, it proves the existence of Jesus, and it proves the Bible is reliable. So this discovery does a lot of different things that just adds credence to uh, what we believe, what the Bible states. Just a little bit from this article. They said the Roman governor, who is responsible for condemning Jesus and Nazareth to death by crucifixion, also ordered the construction of a street for pilgrims to follow to the Jewish temple more than 2,000 years ago. National Geographic reports that historians previously thought it was the Roman appointed King Herod, which you mentioned, it wasn't Herod the Great. Uh, they thought it was Roman appointed King Herod the Great who approved most of the large construction projects that remade ancient Jerusalem into a major pilgrimage and tourist center. But a recent analysis of more than 100 coins found beneath the Stepped Street point to start and completion the effort under Pontius Pilate. Uh, so basically found that, hey, it wasn't King Herod that did this, but it was Pontius Pilate. So there's this further, again, confirms uh, the accuracy of the Bible, confirms that Pontius Pilate was living, was a real man, and therefore it lends credibility to the fact that him who, you know, led Jesus to be crucified, Jesus was also a a real man as well. So just amazing. A quick quote from this book. They said, if the New Testament Gospels were nothing more than a fiction or nothing more than fiction and fables about a man who never lived one must wonder how it is they possess so much a multitude of information and why they talk so much about people we know lived and about so many things we know happened so again they're basically saying that wait if, if the new testament the bible is just a bunch of fables you know like jack and beanstalk and things like this why is it that we actually have evidence for david why do we actually have evidence for pontius pilate why do we have evidence that Bethlehem was a real place Right? Why do we have evidence for all those things if it's just a made up story? They go on to say, after all, the Gospels say Jesus was condemned to the cross by a Roman governor named Pontius Pilate. Not only is this man mentioned by historical sources outside the New Testament, but we have found an inscribed stone on which his name appears. We've talked about that, and we've talked about his ring as well. Indeed, we may have found the name of the Jewish high priest who condemned Jesus to inscribed in a bone box. It seems these people were real. I suspect Jesus was too. Uh, So that just lends, that just, hey, if Pontius Paul was real, it just brings us to the fact that, hey, Jesus must have been real as well. And that's the point of this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. and In fact, uh, it is this evidence, the side evidence Mm -hmm. that really proves the existence of Christ. It's all the historical documents around it. Um, It's all the historical accuracies of everything that took place around it. You know, I mean, yes, we have the destruction of, of Jerusalem in 70 AD, but it was Jesus who prophesied it. Yep. Now is this prophecy noted in the Bible, but it's also noted in Jewish um, historical documents that Jesus pros- prophesied about the destruction of the temple. And actually it was, it was attacked uh, in Jewish documents. like, why would he do this he was a prophet that prophesied about this um so they didn't view him as a as god the, the jewish writers of the time they were angry with him because they, he prophesied the destruction of the temple and destruction of jerusalem yeah yeah exactly
1: uh so it's very interesting to just to see that but even even that's so lends credence to um jesus not only that he was an actual person but because that prophecy came true we can now go a step further and say that, hey, because Jesus prophesied about a future event, he must be God, just as he claimed, right? So you first right. want to start on the basis of that, hey, the Bible's reliable, Jesus was a historical person. Now we can start talking about his deity. And then from there on, uh, obviously point to the gospel. Uh, but the other Christian source we want to look at after the New Testament documents is Paul's writings. Because Paul's writings are some of the earliest Christian documents that we have that attest to Jesus' historical reliability. Uh, So in evidence that demands a verdict, they say Paul's writings are important because they are the earliest Christian documents and the earliest writings we have concerning Jesus as a person. And uh, they really use the crucifixion of Jesus as evidence for Jesus's uh, historical liability. And what's just amazing is that even though a lot of uh, skeptics will tell you that oh, Jesus never existed, when you actually dig into the evidence that we're digging into here, you'll always fi- find that uh, these historians always go to the point that, hey, we can be certain that there was a man called Jesus who was crucified, that the crucifixion is a historical fact as anything else, right? So when you actually dig into the evidence, you'll actually be like, oh, wait, there's, there's actually a lot of evidence for this. And that's why we're right here talking about these things, to show you guys that, hey, you don't have to be, you know, shaking your faith or anything like that. This should bolster up your faith, knowing that, hey, if I can trust the fact that Jesus was real and that he actually died, then I can believe that he died for my sins, that God exists, and, and this and that. So it really is a faith booster here. Uh, they said uh, Herman discusses the challenge for Jews. So what, what they're talking about here is that um, Paul, he discusses the crucifixion of Jesus. The Jews at the time had the belief that the Messiah from the Old Testament, they incorrectly saw who Jesus was. So they had the belief that the Messiah would come and be the king, right, of being the kingdom. They didn't accurately read the Old Testament and understand what Scripture is saying, that the Messiah had to come first as a suffering servant and die for the sins of the world. So they tackle that here, and they say that, hey, because Paul was discussing that the Messiah had to come and be crucified, it really went against the grain of the general Jewish thought at that time. And why that's so important to realize is that because it was against the Jewish thought at the time, basically what that means is that, there's no way that Paul could have made that up if it was fake. Why would he make up something like that, that goes up, uh, that goes against what Jews actually thought? So they said Herman discussed the challenge for Jews concerning what I just said, specifically if the ancient Jewish messianic expectation was not for a crucified criminal, but for a victorious ruler, thereby increasing the likelihood that Paul did not fabricate the story they said so herman says who would make up the idea of a crucified messiah no jew that we know of and who were jesus followers of the year immediately following his death jews living in palestine it is no wonder that paul found their views so offensive before his conversion acts 8 through 9 if it's hard to imagine jews inventing the idea of a crucified messiah where did the idea come from it came from historical realities and again, this is Bert herman saying this he's saying that hey Paul didn't invent this idea he couldn't have because it goes against the grain of what Jews thought at the time. So if he didn't invent it, where did it come from? It had to be a historical verifiable event in history. He says there really was a man in Jesus. Since no one would have made up the idea of a crucified Messiah, Jesus must really have existed, must really have raised Messianic expectations, and must really have been crucified. No Jew would have invented him.
0: Right. Absolutely, absolutely, and and it, this is funny because this is the same Bart Herman. Yes, who doesn't believe in the resurrection of Christ, yeah. but you have to make that same argument. Why would a Pharisee suddenly come to know Jesus unless he met the resurrected Jesus? Exactly, and then become a non-Pharisee, right? He becomes yeah. an Essene in his theology. Why would Paul not kill Christians on the road to Damascus? Unless he was really stopped by Jesus, yeah what, what what would cause that? He's a zealot, right? He describes a as a Pharisee among Pharisee, a Jew among Jew, a Benjamite, okay, and why would he stop killing Christians unless he actually met the resurrected Lord? I think that's the great understanding and the the brilliant logic that one has to come to the conclusion of and go, okay, so we went from a murder of Christians killing. Stephen and, and, and killing others suddenly he goes to damascus on the road and suddenly he's confronted by the resurrected christ and he goes oops i gotta undo everything i've done and he now becomes one of the christians what would cause you to become a christian right exactly if you met jesus you were confronted by the resurrected savior yeah would that wreck your life
1: and change it, yeah, yeah, exactly, and and that's again, that's just the the question that we have to ask people because they get there and they and they see it, <laughs> you know people again they they be up Paul and they're like, "Oh, Paul, you know we can't trust him in this and that, Muslims attack him, and even Christians now attack him. that. We just take out you know all all the books that are written by Paul, which is totally insane, um, but again, you cannot deny the fact that this guy that was a zealot for and killing Christians radically change, right and muslims too in the middle east right now many of them are converting and drove to jesus to christianity because they're having dreams and visions of jesus so it just attests to the fact that hey once you have this amazing encounter with jesus you you can't stay the same you change and that's what happens to paul and that's just attests to the fact of just deity um and and the, the truth of the gospel message right in terms of how it changes us so just amazing yeah, it, it's, it is, absolutely. All right, what's next? Yeah, next is the early Christian creed. So when I, when I talk about Christian creed in this book, they kind of uh, um, address the issue differently. So when we say Christian creed, we might be thinking of different things. Uh, so they say, in a discussion of creeds, we do not mean the cherished belief statements often recited in churches, such as the Apostles' Creed. So when they're saying creed, that's not what they're talking about here. I just wanted to make that clear. Um, they're saying, we instead refer to bits of information that would have been transmitted orally before the writing of the New Testament, later to be included in the New Testament. So that's what they're referring about when they say creed. Not the Nicene Creed, but just bits of information transmitted orally before the New Testament, and it was included in the New Testament later. And they say here, and I'll just read uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 3-8, because they reference Paul um, going to 1 Corinthians to, uh, 3-8. to They said, perhaps 1 Corinthians 15 verse 3 to 8, contains the most important New Testament creed for the study of the historical existence of Jesus. And I'll read that quick and uh, just go back to their quote. So 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 to 8, Paul says, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain in the present. So right there, what Paul is saying that, hey, I delivered to you the gospel. Then, you know, Jesus Christ uh, died for our sins, buried, rose again on the third day. He was seen by the 12, 500 people. And he's saying, who still are alive today? By the time he said this, he's like, hey, you know, if you think I'm lying, go verify by the 500 people who saw this. So verse six, after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remains the present. But some have fallen asleep, that's just the euphemism for death. After that, he was seen by James, then by the, all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also as by one born out of, the time, out of time, or due time, rather. So in this book, uh, just in reference to this verse, they say the importance of the creed in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 to 8, can hardly be overestimated. So we read this, and we're just kind of like, oh, you know, that's the gospel message, that's great, you know, we kind of move on but it's like huge significance in terms of our understanding of who Jesus actually was in history. They said no longer can be charged that there is no dem- demonstrable early eyewitness testimony for the resurrection or for the most important tenets of Christianity. For this creed provides just such evidential data concerning the facts of the gospel, which are the very central of the Christian faith that links the events themselves with those who actually participated in time, in space. Uh, so it's just a lot of evidence there concerning the core beliefs of Christianity. And that again, linking it to the eyewitness testimonies, um, which is just so important here uh, in this discussion.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's very clear because that what Paul is stating in 1 Corinthians 15 is an eyewitness account that could be actually admissible in a court of law, mm-hmm. if this went to trial. He's listing down all the witnesses, right? Yeah. And it's evidentiary material that could be administered into a court of law. Um, and it, it's a statement of facts that, yeah. that you could utilize that a good lawyer is. And he's articulating that better than any lawyer could, right? Look, here is the evidence okay and he lists all the witnesses to the resurrection of jesus christ and then ends with himself mm-hmm. and least of these is me right uh, as someone born due out of time right someone that, that shouldn't have been there and, and why is he saying that because i wasn't he was saying i'm not worthy of it but i too am an eyewitness of it yeah. um and This is an incredible, an incredible statement uh, by Paul, um, because it really brings about the idea of of his his own feeling of being unworthy, mm-hmm. and he's very humble about it. Yeah, like definitely. guy, I can't deny this. This is what I saw.
1: Yeah, and that's how we should all feel too, in terms of how the humble, the humility we should feel concerning our salvation—that none of us deserve. Right? So Paul, Paul definitely mirrors the feeling that we should all have as well. Um so the last Christian source I'm going to share here is the Church Fathers. So we have and we talked about the early church fathers too when we're talking about the stories of the Bible that even if all those 20,000 plus, you know, New Testament documents even with if that library that Stefan talked about if it never existed or it was destroyed, let's say we don't have any of that. Even if we don't have any of that, we can still reconstruct the entirety of the New Testament just based off the quotes of the early church fathers. So their quotes and everything is just a huge and immense, basically treasure trove of wealth of information concerning that time period, concerning the reliability of the Bible and the story of Jesus Christ. So, the first person here I'll be talking about is this Clement of Rome, which Brother Stefan has mentioned many times to us as well. Uh, in his first letter, the, the or rather, the letter First Clement, um, he talks about Jesus, he talks about the gospel. And uh, later, Bart Herman just sees it. He talks about it as a valuable historical source to confirm this story of Jesus Christ. So in the letter First first Clement, uh, Clement of Rome wrote, The apostles received the gospel for us from the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was sent forth from God. So then Christ is from God, and the apostles are from Christ. Both, therefore, came at the will of God in the appointed order. Having, therefore, received a charge and having been fully assured through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, and confirmed the word of God with full insurance of the Holy Ghost, they went forth with the glad tidings that the kingdom of God should come. So preaching everywhere, in country and town, they appointed their first fruits when they approved them by the Spirit to be bishops and deacons unto them that should believe. And then Bart Herman again, the agnostic or atheist, he says this concerning what uh, Clement here wrote in his letter of the first, uh, the letter of first Clement he says we have an independent witness not just to the life of jesus as a historical figure but to some of his teachings and deeds so he's calling clement a first or an independent witness to um, these things like all sources that mention jesus from outside the new testament the author of first clement had no doubt about his real existence and no reason to defend it everyone knew he existed so this goes even farther because here Bartram is saying that hey The author of First Clement, he definitely knew about the historical, uh, the historical evidence concerning Jesus. He knew Jesus lived, but he goes even farther to say that at this time, no one even had to defend the story of Jesus because everyone even everyone knew already. You know, no one had to defend it. Unlike now, you know, people say, "Oh, Jesus never existed." Back then, again, they they knew it. We can find old New Testament documents and things in secular libraries at the time and everything because they viewed the Bible. Has a historical source, they view Jesus as a historical, truly, you know, living, breathing person who walked on the earth at one point in time. And obviously for us believers, we believe he's sinned at the right end of the Father. Um, but this is just amazing because it just presupposes the fact that, hey, Jesus was alive. He was a real person. We don't even have to debate it because everyone knows that as truth.
0: Yeah, it, it absolutely is. I mean, you think about it, right? Um, just go to the feeding of the 5,000. Yeah, Look how many people were healed who went into other areas of the world and talked about, yeah, I was healed by this guy named Jesus. Um, I was touched by, I saw him feed 5,000 people with, you know, just a few loaves and fishes. Um, I saw the feeding of the Mm 4,000, you know? Um, And and this word of mouth would travel throughout the whole world so that everyone knew that Jesus existed. You can't take 9,000 people, viewing a miracle and expect them not to talk about it Mm. i mean think about the world series right all the people around the world watching the world series and then talking about it the next day the word oh who won the world series oh dodgers dodgers did or whoever it was (laughs) right and it did okay great everyone knows because everyone's talking about that atlanta won the world series yeah and that's just in one day you know, imagine how it transpired throughout the continent, throughout the world, um, going out, hey, Jesus healed me. I saw Jesus do this. I saw Jesus do that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, guys. So I mean, as we wrap up
1: here, we just want you to, you know, ruminate on these things, think about these things and use them as tools in your tool belt, so to speak. Um, when people, again, come to you and say, hey, you know, and maybe, you know, sometimes, yeah, it's true that oftentimes uh, skeptics will come to you, kind of mock you, say Jesus never existed. But sometimes, too, genuine truth seekers, they just want, they're just curious, they don't really know. They might come to you and say, hey, you know, this Bible thing, this Christianity, I don't really know about it. Can I really trust the Bible accurate? Uh, did Jesus actually live? They might come to you with those questions, just genuinely trying to find questions. And you might never know. These type of things, just know that, hey, we actually do have both non-christian and christian sources they might be blown away that wow if that's true of course why don't i believe in jesus why don't i because if jesus actually existed that means what the bible says about jesus is true the events the miracles he performed that also means what the bible says about our sin nature is true judgment of god on us but it also means that uh jesus taking on our punishment our stead on the cross is true and that we can trust in him for everlasting life so ultimately guys that's what we wanted to point you to if you're a believer you want this to be used as an encouragement that, hey, you're not walking on, you know, shaky sand or anything like that. This is a solid foundation. Scripture is a solid foundation. Jesus Christ is a solid rock who we believe in. And for non-believers, if you're watching this, you have put clear trust in the Lord, this is a great evidence to look into. We encourage you, Brother Stefan, now we encourage you to look into these things. Google it. We're not making it up. This isn't our opinion. just the fact of history, the fact of archaeology. You can look in these things for yourself and see that what the Bible says is true. And if what the Bible says is true concerning Jesus, it must be true about salvation. must be true about heaven and hell. And these are important questions we have to deal with. And we just hope that you actually take this seriously and put your faith in Christ.
0: In Christ alone. Yeah. Put your faith in Christ. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Look, um, I absolutely without a shadow of a doubt, believe that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. For me, it's the most logical thing that I, I, can, I can think of. There's not even a, a, there is zero doubt in my mind that Jesus is God, that he died on the cross, that he rose from the dead because there's too much evidence for it. I haven't come here because of faith. In fact, I will tell you, it's not faith, it's knowing, it's evidence for me. And so I believe because the proof is beyond measure. Mm-hmm. The evidence is staggering that Jesus Christ is Lord mm-hmm. and that he is God and that he died on the cross and he rose from the dead. Yeah. There's not even a, a minuscule ounce of doubt in my mind about it. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with you.
1: And just to, you know, before I close off here, just to kind of share a personal story of mine, because when I was in uh, college and it really, I wasn't really a serious believer. And I even questioned during college uh, five years ago, uh, even if I was born again, even, uh, but after graduation, I became more serious about the Lord and started talking to Muslims and everything, started getting to apologetics. And, you know, they'd often be like, Hey, why do you believe the Bible? It's been, you know, altered. It's not trustworthy. And that actually shook me because I was a babe in Christ, essentially. I didn't really know all these things. I wanted to really believe in the Bible, but you know, I got to the place where I was like, well, if the Bible isn't trustworthy, why why am I a Christian? Why do I believe in it? Um, But then I just simply looked it up, right? (laughs) That's what people should do. Unfortunately, a lot of people just stop the doubt. They don't actually search for the answer. They just kind of have doubts and stop there. And that's not a good place to be. If you have doubts, you have questions, look it up. That's what we encourage non-believers research these things for yourself and that's what i did after i discovered things like the dead sea scrolls uh the manuscripts right the over twenty thousand manuscripts that we've been talking about over the past hour i was like wow i've never learned these things before like i and i could never go back right now i have this same thing but stefan is talking about that zero zero doubt I have zero doubt you can tell me whatever you want but i know based on what i've seen based on the evidence based on history that i'm like wow yeah signed sealed it's done like that's that's the truth and i believe it and there's nothing that can you know take me take me back from that so it's just very it's something that's great to encourage us in our faith once we're encouraged once we're built up by this we can then go into the real world encourage other believers and
0: use this to uh point people to the gospel absolutely and i would say this and with the last minute the hardest thing is to obey the gospel It's not that I don't believe. I believe adamantly. Yeah, Flesh is weak. And so the greatest message of the gospel is it's Jesus. It's Jesus who's going to take the weakness of your flesh and he's going to strengthen you, not by your good works, but by his righteousness. By what he did on the cross, he accomplished it so that we can go to him, the high priest, who empathizes with us in every way because he himself was tempted by every sin, yet did not sin. He was perfect in all his ways because he is God. So he endured my temptation. He overcame my temptation by conquering sin through the blood that washes me free. So the, the good news for me is I can, as chief among sinners, go to the cross every day and say, Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me for for my sins. Yes, I'm a believer, but I'm coming to the cross, always remembering what you did there so that I will walk in the light and the hope that Jesus is in my life every single day. Yeah, amen, amen. So, hey, we're running up to the last minute. I just want to say thank you, everyone, and uh, good night. God bless you all, and have a great week. See you on Monday night. Have a great night, guys.